0: outside of a dog a book is about a man's best friend inside of a dog you have to have a very large dog because <laughs> you need to fit in the shelves and, and the book light and the books and a table it, we're looking at like Clifford the Big Red Dog here, basically, mm-hmm. that sort of a thing. Lockjaw, maybe. Maybe Lockjaw. I need
1: a couple of
0: You're listening <laughs> to Brave New Words, uh, Starburst Magazine's premier book show, uh, and also the, the world's most interesting and fascinating and fantastic book show, because no one's challenged us on that yet, so why not? Um, T.M. T.M. In fact. <laughs> um, I'm your host, Ed Fortune, and I'm here with... I'm Ross. I'm Mikey Still.
2: I'm Del. And I'm
0: Anne So on today's show If you want to find out more about You Are The Hero uh, The fighting fantasy book Turn to page 138 If you'd rather script straight to the author interview Turn to page 400 (laughs) But before we do all of that Let's have a jingle
1: This this is Hat
3: International surprised me these jingles they're always quite jingly yeah that was that was incredibly jingly very jingle yeah
1: Bells, much jingle mm. wow
0: <laughs> in case you haven't worked it out by now after listening to the show we have no idea what the jingle is when we record these shows they've <laughs> the magic the magic is gone next, um, year we tell oh. me,
4: next year we tell me that we don't actually know who the lovely author is
0: <laughs> oh we know who the lovely
4: author is they're lovely we wouldn't lie to you uh, <laughs>
0: The thing is, is that we, we do this on the live show as well, so if you catch us at things like Sledge Lit, or at World Cons, or at Nine Worlds, so these, these sort of events that we do, uh, we'll, we'll be around in March for the SimCity, Starburst, Media City thing. If you catch us on one of those, we do all of this anyway, so we'll have a whole load of guests who look really confused when we go, here's a jingle, and they're like, and they wait and listen to the jingle. <laughs> and there's no jingle. Um, we did have one person sing,
4: randomly, just in the audience. <laughs> uh, anyway. looks especially uh, confusing when they wonder who the lovely author is as well. Especially but...
0: <laughs> because sometimes it is them.
4: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah well, let's talk to the person there. So, anyway,
0: um, should we explain what fighting Fancy is in case people haven't? What didn't
4: survive the 80s? Yeah, okay. Well, in... Eighty-one, uh, Steve Jackson and Ian Livingston, uh, who had founded Games Workshop by that point, had been asked, I think, to write a book about role playing games and had decided, let's do it in the form of let's let the reader find out for themselves by let's giving them a bunch of choices, let's never get, you know, give let the book do all the work of games mastering an adventure and they could roll dice along the way. And they quite liked the idea of having written this book uh, and it got published. I think it was popular. So they wrote a lot more of them. And 30-something years on, I have a history of it here. So the the warlock on Firetop Mountain. Why is the mountain called Firetop
0: Mountain? Because it's got red bead on it. It's not because it's a volcano. you oh,
3: always right. say it's
0: a volcano. It's not a volcano. It's got red bead on it. I've learned something. you
3: <laughs> never supposed to learn something here? No. <laughs> so so you, you've got a book? I have. I have
4: a number of books. Because... A few years back, is, the 30th anniversary happened, obviously 30 years after the first book came out. They tend to. They tend to, yeah. yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, they don't much like much. being contrary about this sort of yeah. thing. Uh, and they'd, a Kickstarter adventure had been set up with, we are going to try and make a documentary, we're going to interview the relevant people, and it didn't get back, for, it didn't reach its goal for various reasons. But about two years later, um, one of the fighting fantasy authors, John Green, Jonathan Green uh, decided well I'm going to write about it rather than produce a documentary of it and that got funded and that was You Are The Hero which came out 3 years ago Shall we just before anyone starts
0: Jonathan Green Jonathan Green the British yes author who lives in London who writes fantasy novels and steampunk novels Yep not John Green the guy who wrote The Fault in the Stars. Mm. Yes, okay. Entirely separate people.
4: Yep, mm. apologies.
0: Um, you, you don't get to roll dice in The Fault in the Stars. You really should. <laughs> um, anyway, moving on.
4: Yes, so You Are the Hero is a history of Game fighting fantasy game books which came out in 2014 and there was a launch party called Fighting Fantasy Fest where... Mm where they managed to get together a bunch of Steve Jackson, Ian Livingston, a bunch of the other authors and artists, and a couple of the people who were involved in the publishing, and they had a whole day of uh, adventuring and stuff. And then, not long after that, some of the authors and artists who who Jonathan Green had had difficulty getting into contact with finally responded to their email and said, Oh, by the way, hi. And he said, Right, oh great, I've got more people I can interview. So I'm holding volume two in my hand, which is just... Which has just been posted to me uh, again via another Kickstarter. Uh, and the first chapter is about Fighting Fantasy Fest 2014. According to Twitter, Jonathan Green has recently started a file called You're the Hero Part 3, which I imagine covers Fighting Fantasy Fest 2, which happened in September 2017. But whether there's more stuff to come after that, I don't you know. No.
0: Starburst has covered Fighting Fantasy Fest 2. I didn't go, I, I was busy doing other things because uh, there's only one of me and no one's giving me enough money to clone myself and frankly that would be a terrible idea but we did send uh, a rather lovely chap to go and take a look um, at fighting fantasy fest 2 so what is the, so what does fighting fantasy, uh, sorry, what does you are the hero do
4: the first one is they're they're both a history of game books, they both discuss uh, how the first game book the first fighting fantasy game book came about and how the series progressed. Um, so chapter by chapter, there is a history of, I think, essentially how Ian Livingston and Steve Jackson founded Games Workshop, how they got into publishing um, books, how they got other people to um, into books, uh, how they, and then they've gone into, okay, well, and now there are maps and there's a massive amount of artwork and here are the... What's Yes, because I was at the first Fighting Fantasy Fest and I got lots of people to sign it.
0: Snow it's it's by Snowbooks, so an excellent publisher. I, I really like them as a publisher. They've got very good taste in, in people to publish. He said very carefully. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think I think
4: all of the books in this series are snowbooks. So yeah, so there are the chapters devoted to the are chapters devoted to uh, the apps that have been released on iPhone and Android. Uh, chap there's um, on the the you are the hero two, part two includes uh, sculpt talking to the sculptors of the miniatures that have been released as tie-ins. There've been discussions of uh... this is great radio. I'm, I, I, I'm looking at the map of Titan. Okay, uh, which is yes. the
3: world
0: that they're all, they're all, most yes. of these books are set in. Yeah, the there's that cartography. There's uh, the, you know, there's ones that are set in space, and there's ones that are set in superhero worlds, and this sort of thing, and post upon the niptic wastelands, but mostly they're set in a place called called the old world?
4: I think it's Alansia. Titan. Titan. Okay.
0: We call them Titan, and Alantia is the main continent, is that right? Uh,
4: yes, that's I recall. And I think they are the, the gist of it was, I think Alantia is where Ian Livingston set his books, but if, the, if other writers, including the other Steve Jackson... Uh, were to write a book set to be in one of these worlds, they would pick somewhere else in the world that wasn't allowed here to set their particular bit in. So there was... Uh, to, to flesh out the world, but without stepping on others' toes. Whereas Steve Jackson thought, you know what, I'm going to write one. This In this one, you're a superhero. Um, or this one's a bit more of a... Or Starship Traveller. Well, you know, are a spaceship. Because,
0: confusingly, there's two Steve Jacksons.
4: Yes. There's the British Steve Jackson who founded Games Workshop, and there's the American Steve Jackson, who best known for Munchkin, and other games like that. Who
0: founded the Steve Jackson Games?
4: Yes. Um, so so he did. So
0: they they both did stuff. But Steve Jackson also did the Sorcery series, which is not set on the, the
4: British. Yeah, the British Steve Jackson did the wrote the Sorcery series, which is a series of four ongoing books. You are you, you can play each of them standalone, but you can also take the character that you finished book one with and start playing book two with them.
2: Mm. I
0: absolutely didn't do
4: that. What I did was I <laughs> I transferred my character from the first one
0: to the second one to the because I got into it through the um, Shannara Hills, which is the sorcery book. Yeah. So I played those one and then thought, well no hang on I'm going to keep my character. Um, so when I played fighting fantasy books when I played War and Firetop Mountain eventually, I had like a character who'd like been for three or four books, and it didn't doesn't actually change the game that much. Hmm. I mean, technically, it's cheating, mm-hmm. um, but it's but, but it's not because all it is is you've got this thing like there's this thing. You may have a healing potion or two, but by the end of like certain adventures, like you've got nothing or a permanent injury. So that's like my 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 my. Work, I've got him somewhere. Uh, and he didn't really have a name because you are the hero.
4: Yes, cause the hero so doesn't so, have a name. You, you... Or for the most part, agenda.
0: Yeah, well, actually, anyway, because yeah. there's a very rarely any gender-based encounters. Cause there there
4: is a involved. note in the start, the start of You're the Hero Part 2 where, for the sake of Jonathan Green's sanity, he has referred to the, the character of the books as male. But I don't know why he's not gone for singular they. But,
2: mm.
4: but yeah, because he'd be, most of the people who read these were boys, but that's beside that the point. You could easily have been a woman who was reading these books, because... They didn't specify. It's interesting
0: because there, there weren't many that were specifically marketed because there were spin-offs, and there were other people who had a go at this.
4: as yeah. well so there was
0: like a bunch of Greek adventures that came out. Mm-hmm.
4: I have um, most of a collection of Nintendo adventure books, so I have yeah. ones where you play Mario or Luigi.
0: There was a role-playing game one called Maelstrom that I had, which was set in uh, 14th century Europe and had nothing to do with some of my badges. Um, that's an obscure That doesn't to, make yeah. any
3: sense to anybody apart from you. Yes, yes, okay. And sadly uh, me. And sadly, <coughs>
0: uh, there is a UK game called Maelstrom, which is not the Paddington book. But yeah, there, I don't seem to recall there being. I mean, please go on Twitter at mm-hmm. Radio Book Web if you can go. Oh no, no, you've totally missed. You know, this, this, this this, book series but I think they were mostly written for the male great gaze, I've just turned on the page with uh, a photo shoot for Death Trap Dungeon the video game, Yes, and that's definitely the male gaze, because she's wearing that's Kelly Brook, oh right, okay she, she's wearing rubber, or possibly leather, it's very shiny mm-hmm. and, and the pink breasts are involved um, but at its height it had, like, a, there was a there was a, uh, a thing you could dial, fist. that's what it was called Fist, you could dial fist, and,
4: and uh, it was. Dell is looking bemused, possibly slightly scared. It's just, I don't,
1: I've not known what you guys are talking about for a long time. It's fine. I don't think handing me the book is going to educate me in the
0: next five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> fist, fist was a thing that you could. It was a, a, a like a, because it was the eighties, and like you know, computers, dialing modems and things weren't really a massive thing. They were yeah. around, but they weren't a huge thing. So you could phone up and you'd be like you're on your ordinary telephone mm-hmm. and you'd oh, be yes. like, you have encountered it oh, oh, yes. dial one to run away, mm-hmm. dial two to punch it, mm-hmm. two you have punched it, it punches you back two, you punch it it punches you back, two do you realise your parents are paying for this you punch <laughs> it, it <punches> you back.
3: <laughs> I have to admit, I've played a lot of the fight, fighting fantasy books and as of yet, I've never played one without cheating uh, just, it's, it's well known that <laughs> the, the five fingered bookmark. As yeah, we exactly. I just, uh, if you win the encounter, yes, I win that encounter next. Because um, you don't have to bother rolling dice. Which I prefer. Is it, I, it, it? takes you out of the narrative anyway. I didn't. I just. Oh, mm. I
0: just. See, this is it. Because I started with shamonte Hills and I followed the rules, but the the dice are in the pages. They've got like two dice in the corner of the pages, so you can yeah. flip the, the oh, pages. Right. My sister once got really annoyed with me because she was like. Why are you ruining that book? And also, you're playing that book wrong because everyone else I've seen has dice on them, and I'm like, could, could, "Hang on, this, yeah. this is the same problem." Mm-hmm. I I've got flip books.
4: Oh, but the thing for, is, for the sake of confusion, they printed a fighting fantasy book with little dice at the bottom right. The yeah, you could, page, like and little... basically, if you wanted to make roll, make a random dice roll, you would flick through the book, stop at a random point, and you go, "Oh, look, double six and you know, mm-hmm. die or whatever it was. Uh, page 172, I believe. on the <laughs> <journey>. <laughs> Folded
3: that one over at the corner a bit, did you? <laughs> but
0: this is it because you know you, you. But that's the thing with the uh, the app. Uh, Tim Man Games did an mm-hmm. app for it. And I love the fact that you could you press the button to roll the dice. And obviously, it was a computer-generated dice roll. It mm-hmm. did all the work for you.
3: But if you put your finger down as the dice were rolling, you can nudge the dice over. You can do that in the Wall of Firetop Mountain computer game, where you just keep pushing them until they get onto the road. <laughs> So I liked the the computer game because I could also cheat in there. That. that was that was nice.
0: But they the had the in the the app versions of these books, um they have a version which is the the, the normal mode where it's like yeah, ignore the rules pretty mm-hmm. much. Infinite gold, infinite health.
3: Yeah, it puts it back into the story really. But um, and then in the
0: hard mode is where you follow the rules strictly and have to you can't bookmark and you have to fall back. Uh, and that's hard mode, not rather than the way the game's yeah.
3: be played. <laughs> um, it is hard. It? Yeah.
4: They
0: recently released. Because uh, the Final Fantasy franchise has been busy this year.
4: Yeah, so it's now 35 years old, I think, this year. Mm-hmm. And they've brought. Uh, Ian, Drink- Ian Livingston has brought out another uh, book in the series, The Port of Peril, which, again, for the sake of clarity, because. Puffin who brought out the original book brought out 59 of these books and there have been other ones since but because uh, the publishers of the various the, the people who've relicensed it and brought out the books again have basically started with number one the Warlock of to Mountain brought out a bunch of other books completely renumbered the system whenever they've done this I think twice now they, for the sake of these books they've said right assume that Puffin had published all of these originally let's give keep them with the original numbers therefore Port of Peril is number 66
0: uh, Scholastic now hold the, the license okay. if memory serves so they're now under the Scholastic license which memory serves means that they'll be promoted at schools because when I was a kid mm. um, it's kind of the thing with fighting fantasy books is I had one or two school teachers who were like oh these are fantasy, I don't like fantasy I don't like," and you know they'd be idiots about it um, but the, the decent English teachers would be like they're reading, we don't care yeah you know, they, they, they and are there's,
4: easy... there's achievements based in this because you get to the end of a section and you've and then you get to make a choice and you've 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 made you know, you've got to the end of a section. You don't need to read the entire chapter. You've read enough of a narrative unit that you're, you're still keeping with it. So it keeps people motivated if they're still if they're struggling to read you know, big patches of text. This is a lot more manageable. It's compressed. Yeah.
1: And there's also a lot of fantasy on the curriculum, so I don't know what they're being so funny about.
0: Oh, this is back
1: in the 80s no but my education was the 90s it wasn't that far removed and like year five our book options each class we didn't get to pick but like each class was signed different books and ours was a mixture of um stick of the dump or the hobbit so not exactly like standard fiction like it's it's genre fiction most shakespeare is genre Really, like all the ones that we did at school were anyway. We did like Midsummer's Night's Dream and yeah, those ones like Tempest and stuff, like the ones that were kind of magic based.
4: If you've been into um, a W.H. Smith's or a Waterstones recently, these they are put in the you know the section aimed at you know 8 to 11 year olds, sort of thing. So, uh, and they brought out six, they've re they've released five books along with the new one, Port of Peril, so Walk of Pound Mountain and Forest of Doom and. I can't remember the other titles but they brought out six ones they are bringing a second batch out sometime in the not too distant are they future they going to bring
0: out Black Sand, Dungeoneer, Out of the Pit and Titan I were don't the,
4: know these were
0: because these were <laughs> <laughs> they weren't adventure books because the thing no. I remember as a kid so I, I started I was like 11 and I started reading and I'd already read the nine books mm-hmm. and I was reading on and uh, and then Oh,
1: is it El- Elador? Elador?
0: Uh, Weird, st- Stone of Risingham was my first.
1: But Alan Garner. Was, uh, is Elador, yeah. Is Elador,
0: that's it. I was just saying like, Ecuador, yeah. Oh, I read that when I was younger. I loved that book. Uh, and um, Chronicles of Pride Inn, which I didn't realise was Wales. Um, cause, cause, you know, the Georgie boy. But we went to. Uh, the Puffin did a. Because uh, it was Puffin originally, wasn't it? Mm. Uh, yeah. Puffin did a uh, Puffin train. They used to do puffin train things where they'd have a huge train filled with books and authors. What? And you'd, you'd go on the train and you could talk to various people. So I probably met Ian Livingston or Steve Jackson when I was quite small, but I had no idea who he was. He was just some bloke. Uh, because you don't really have that appreciation when you're a kid. You're just like, hello. Yeah. And then off um, I'm a lovely author. <laughs> Are you?
1: That's
0: lovely, yes. <laughs> uh, oh. And at the end, I got to pick stuff. So I, I was like, "Well, I want to start at one, but I don't like the look at the Warlock and Firetop Mountain because he's a bit scary." Is there a number one and ended up being the social um, And that kind of got me into that. I was already into fantasy, but that got me into fantasy games.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Rather than being a kid who was into games and having fun, who got into books, I kind of went the other way.
1: Because I think always been into fantasy but i think when i was a child i didn't know that i just thought i was into i liked stories and i liked poems and it's just when you look back now it just happens that the things i enjoyed were fantasy but i didn't think along those lines i was just like i like this story i like this story more than that story couldn't have told you why
0: one of the realizations i had going back to because as i say there was a recently there was a Uh, an audio drama they've started doing the people who used to do stuff for Big Finish and Games Workshop Um, I can't remember the the, the small production house essentially who used to do work for both uh, Big Finish and Games Workshop have started doing Fighting Fantasy Um, and what they've done I was listening to it recently and it was kind of it was really interesting in the sense that this is where I would turn it on and it suddenly goes pow at me yeah. uh, and yells at me or something because it's an audio drama. it probably want to be all terribly dramatic. But yes, yeah, so they were called Foxy and That's who they are. I was, I was listening to the Foxyason production and my first thought was, this is really fighting fantasy. You know, the elf is called Foxy Talonbane or something. Silver is, you know, Elfie Silverbrook or something. And these, you know, combined with human human." Brad Knifefinger, and that's like the, the kind of names they have.
1: Elfie Silverbrook.
0: And uh, or, you, you know, you know, Foxwood Silverbay, you know, that sort of name. And those are very Fighting Fantasy names. And it was a very Fighting Fantasy story. I was having a ripping time reading, it's called Hero's Quest. And I was having a ripping time listening to it. And you know, they go on the Fighting Fantasy, and Zagor, in the first book, is all like, you have to make a choice, because I like it when you make a choice, it makes me happy. Uh, toby longworth is a uh, voice actor of much renown essentially chewing the scenery however in the back of my brain i was like this is crap
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know,
0: like, this is actually it's bollocks you know it's like the dwarf is very dwarfy the elf is very do- uh, elfy the, the barbarian is from yorkshire and you've got the whole thing going on it's more more sean beans actually you no know. The, the, the dwarf is from Yorkshire. Yeah, dwarves are from Yorkshire. The, the barbarian is, is from from South London. That's mm-hmm. right. And you know you've got this whole vibe going on, and it's like I'm having great fun. This it's even got the bit in Wallot and Firetop Mountain where you open the box and you go, oh, it could be a trap. It's a mouse inside. And the mouse is like, hello, I'm a mouse. Because often it helps you later. Uh it's you know they had all those bits in it, but it's actually not very good as yeah. a, as a as a as writing and as storytelling it's very basic but as immersion it's amazing because you are the hero and it's that weird thing because like, the thing that will always sell me is immersion and I've never you rarely see immersion uh, you rarely get a lot of immersion if it's bad writing you very rarely get immersion if it's very tropey and cliched but we're fighting fantasy because it just like goes come aboard or cliche train <laughs> all the all the elves are, are noble and good and slightly haughty all the barbarians are slightly cockney and angry all the dwarves would rather have a cup of tea but we don't care let's fight an evil wizard and many of the stories are the same Citadel of Chaos you go up a, a tower and you kill a wizard Warlock a Firetop Mountain you go up a mountain and you kill a wizard um, Black sand. Uh, I can't remember, the one set in Black sand. You go into a city, and you go down a tunnel, and you kill a wizard. It's like there's a lot of wizard killing going on here. What What did a wizard do to he Ian did, and Steve? He did it, and then ran away. That's what. Because
3: he he's getting a lot of stuff out here. I mean, obviously, there's a big hatred of wizards in these uh, in these fucking fantasy books. It's just, uh, I, I think we need to sit him down and tell him not all magic users are bad. The entire point of the Sorcery series, where you play a wizard, is to go across the land,
0: to go up a tower, and kill a wizard. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of wizard punting. <laughs> I mean, I mean, not always. Sometimes you know you're, you're stopping, you know, you're stealing stuff from the Death Trap Dungeon, or you're you're stopping the, the Rilling River, or you know, in one notable case, there's a you're not killing a wizard, you're killing a lizard, which is a good variation. Yes. Nice just um, sometimes having a drink with Elfie Silverbrook Elfie Silverbrook <laughs> but yeah there's very, there very There isn't a fighting fantasy book where you just go to the pub do you, do you have another pint turn to page 23 do you <laughs> decide to go home early turn to page 200 well not
4: where you just but, yeah, but there are plenty of scenes in the fighting fantasy books where you are in a pub and you need to buy a drink for such and such to try and get information off a person you try and yeah, you try. You decide, "Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to befriend the barman, or I'm going to befriend that weird bloke in the mysterious stranger in the corner who clearly has a quest for me, or you know, such as there, there's there are parts you you, there, you know there are um, mm-hmm. plenty of opportunities for pubs in, in these books. You see, I don't LARP anymore. I don't want to see live action fantasy
0: events anymore. But if I had lots of money and I could be bothered, I would I would have my own tavern built so I could dress as a wizard and just send people on quests. They'd have nothing to do with the game." <laughs>
3: <He's like, "Yes." laughs> it would
1: be one of those moments where you see people wandering around and be like, stop it, he doesn't work here <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes, you, you, you don't need to buy yourself or set yourself up a tavern just go to a local pub just... <laughs> I'm just
4: thinking of that moment from uh, the Order of the Stick origin uh, book where Roy is desperate for adventurers to join his group so he can go on a quest and uh, meets Elan the Bard who says, no, if you want to do this you do this properly here's a bed, here's the table in the corner of the pub, you do it like this, you sit down for five minutes, and Rose's going, that can't possibly work. And suddenly there's a queue of adventurers lining up for him to audition.
0: There is a, I I would say it's an apocryphal tale, but unfortunately I actually know the person that this happened to, um, where there's a bunch of pagans who are doing their nature worship, and they're they're, they're getting on with their nature worship, and it's a very serious kind of tree rip tree worshipping ritual getting on the bit and they're doing their thing and your serious religious moment and unfortunately it's a public land and a bunch of late night LARPers turn up <laughs> and they've got their they've got their swords drawn and they've got their their, their their bows luckily one of them is all, one of the the pagans is also a larp, and just goes stop Adventurers, you have gone the wrong way. Your quest is that way. (laughs) And just redirects them in an entirely different direction. Later, when the the pagans are, like, you know, loading their their land rovers with their their pagan stuff, they they see two guys with radios and high high vis tabloids going, We've lost our players. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know where they are. It's
4: apparently true. So. <laughs> As a footnote from, from something from earlier, Fist stands for Fantasy Interactive Scenarios by Telephone. Right. <laughs> so that might that might be a note which that would have been helpful about twenty minutes ago. <laughs> Fist. Yeah. it's just a wonderful. There place. are also notes from here from, about the podcasts that have sprung up, uh, online magazines. There's Fighting Fantasine, uh People who collect all the stuff. Uh, other appearances that the stuff's made because there's been a. It appeared on a question. Only connect to one time, so Jonathan Greaves managed to write an entire paragraph about that, bit. and a picture of them. That's all right. Pages. Yeah, well, it's part of. I mean,
0: it's part of the pop culture, but it's also part of the British pop culture. I mean, previously, on when the show was the the book, net, book around, um, we did do a thing called Destiny Quest, which was a modern take, mm-hmm. and it felt a bit PlayStation because mm. what they did it was a thicker book. And it's the Destiny Quest books are divided into lumps. and You have a map, and you pick your adventure. So you get to it, like the book takes you to a, a map page, and then it goes. There are several quests, and then you go on a mini quest. Yeah. And then you come back. Come
4: back to the map, and then pick the next one in. So... In
0: order, and there's colours. So you you shouldn't pick a red quest until you've done two greens. Something like that. And it feels a bit. It feels a bit PlayStation. It feels less of a story, more of a game. But I like the the way they cheated that if you died, you got to go back because you were a necromancer. So it's yes. like you, you you play a necromancer. It's like you have died. Fortunately, you're undead, so that's fine. Mm. And and the first one, you're not a necromancer, and like you just keep dying. It says somehow you return back to the land, and then like the big reveal. It's not a big reveal because it's in the blurb, where it's like. The big <laughs> <laughs> the big reveal is like you're in fact dead. surprise it's like yeah no it's called the necromancer's the birth of the necromancer i got that <laughs> in the, the blurb uh, or, or what have you but um it's a, of, uh, a destiny question it? it's quite fun um but yeah it's, it's very much a, a cultural phenomena but that uh, you dear listener by the way you are the hero um but yeah, um, we can talk about another book if we're running out of steam, which I think we might well,
4: be. Well, these two books are quite lovely artwork, which I don't know, make good for a coffee table. There are, uh, we also
1: have... I don't know if I agree, I think the artwork's a bit... Uh, really? Okay. Yeah, So, I, was, I think the, it's a product of its time, but I think if you're going to make a book that's telling the visual story of something you've created... Or well, the one I looked at, Faulkner. Get some reworks done. Or so r- rather someone...
4: than show illustrations of the books as they came out over the last be, thirty years, you
1: could do that fine. But I think there's certain bits that are supposed to be these standout, out, blow away pieces, and they would just that. To be honest, the one that Mikey's looking at now looks better.
3: Now this is the but, uh, this is the second. This part two.
1: But yeah, I just think if you look at something and the visuals look dated use it to tell the story but then get some people in to do something modern as well
0: it's an interesting point actually because if you look at the old so you look at the old uh, games workshop books mm-hmm. from the 80s and a lot of the illustrations are a bit naff and there's some stuff that is amazing and you can tell that this stuff is amazing because they show it again and again and again <laughs> yes. in everything that you can find. So the cover of Dragon for example, I've seen about eight times in eight different books. Um, but the rest of them are a little bit kind of, you know, not amazing. But they'll do for the, the for the audience and for the budget mm. that they had. Um, and now it's a lot better because yeah. they, you know, because computers exist. And I've been to um, conventions where artists will sit and they'll draw you an amazing book cover digitally on photoshop as part of a as part of a, a like an entertainment you turn up and like there's an artist and he's drawing a space marine or a dragon or what have you and it looks cracking and it's because what the artist has done is he's already drawn most of the elements mm. and he's saved it on photoshop as he's done it and now he's putting it together for to de- to demonstrate his art and to also, you know, practice and to do various bits and pieces. And the technology is so different now. Yeah. Um, and it's, and let's be honest, the Fighting Fantasy books were done on a budget. You don't expect Chris Foss style art. <laughs> no. um, and you're, you know, there's a Starship Traveller where they have an attempt at Chris Foss style art. It doesn't quite work. But it does for the book. It's fine for what it is. Mm. And th- there is that moment where you're reading uh, house, of, house of Hell. Is a, a one where you... It's a hammer horror. Okay. Frank a fantasy book. So it's not set in fantasy land. It's hammer horror. Your car breaks down. There's a spooky house. Uh, and they, they try and murder you off the bat. You're <laughs> like, do, do you have a phone? Yes. Stand here. The master will see you soon. Okay. But they you with a knife. Okay, and then like yeah. oh, you know you're like right, okay, I know what I'm doing.
1: Straight
0: in, straight in, sort of thing, and the illustrations are black and white illustrations of ghouls, ghasts, uh, a guy being hung, and a few other really kind of whoa. and when you're eleven. Someone passes you House of Hell. well hell's a rude word? So you're like House of Hell, okay? And you start reading House of Hell, and then you turn the page, and there's an enormous skinny walk trying to, you know, trying to beat you up. Then you know you're getting attacked by skeletons and and these sort of monsters. Then yeah, uh, but yeah, if you sit there with a critical eye, you're like maybe not.
3: I was looking for something to to argue um, you against when the types of art here but I've just slipped to a page which is a man water skiing on two saber-toothed tigers Bo, which is on.
1: excellent that's fantastic content
0: yeah that's a so, man um, water skiing <laughs> and he looks a bit like um, uh, games designer and um, well-regarded um, uh, academic Ian Stuart.
3: a little bit yeah uh, that's the daggers of darkness apparently
1: I think like nowadays there's, as you said, there's a lot of skill and there's a lot of computer programs that people can do things quickly if they need to, but also there will be a lot of very talented people who exist with feelings of love and nostalgia towards these games if you ask them, would do a reimagining of images that you have, Um, and I think to an extent that in itself would be quite interesting, what would this artwork look like if it was designed now. (laughs)
0: Um, that, that's a reworking of Zagar on the, the pages. Uh, yeah. the
4: didn't Which has which again has been helped by the fact there's been app re-releases of these books. So mm. they've uh, so some of the some of the, uh, the Tinman Games versions of the books have taken the original black and white art and they've coloured it in and have oh, cool. and sometimes have you know, re redone it as you as you suggested. The books these books have also gone into um, the soundtracks and the composers. So there is. Uh, Somewhere in those books, lyrics to quite a few of these tunes.
1: I mean, granted, I know I'm coming at this from a very different direction to you guys, and I'm not saying that the game is enough. I know nothing about the game. My thoughts just are if you're going to create a book that is a visual history of something you've created, think about the pictures. Mm. I can't really see what you're showing me. I'm sorry, I've got the <laughs> so glasses
0: on. <laughs> that's sort of my example of a picture that is quite good. But I've seen that about, uh, I've seen that in about twenty different things. Yeah. Because that's a that's the that's the old painting of the the ranks and rows and rows and rows of orcs and goblins.
1: It is quite good, but, but at the same time, I would argue it's clearly not designed for A4, so it's quite blurry. Yes. <laughs> it's a nice picture that's been printed. uh, In almost a a terrible quality version of itself. It
0: was originally designed for a box of uh, toy soldiers. Mm.
1: Uh, And it's just—it's a shame, really. But especially, part of me thinks that you wouldn't have to redo this. But there's software that you can use to make this suitable for this size. Because that's a shame. It's like you said—it's not actually a bad image.
0: But if they don't have the original image, because it's been because it was sold and it was scanned. And now, the, now the original is gone. Then you have that kind of archiving challenges. It's one of the problems that 2000 AD have had for years. A rebellion who owned 2000 AD is a lot of the original art is gone. Yeah. So and you can't just rescan the compressed down image that they put in the comics because they look fine in the comics. But as soon as you change the scale, it looks funny. Yeah. Yeah. So you either have to painstakingly retrace everything which is slow and expensive, or you have to hunt down the original sources. Or
1: find an interesting way to show it in its original size. You can still show it in its original size and it show how nice the image is and take up an A4 page.
0: That's why Rebellion did... uh, There's a lot of early Judge Dredd stuff that's in paperback format. Okay. And the reason it's in paperback format is because the original format was full scrap,
3: Right,
0: uh, which is sort of A4, um, and they were like, "We can compress this down and it looks fine, so we can reprint it." Yeah, but if we put it into slightly larger A4 thing, we're going to have to rework it. And they have, I think, they've reworked all of it now. Right, you know, like, mm-hmm. they've gone through it carefully digitally, and they've spent years, literally, remastering it all, so it looks great. But yeah, mm-hmm. there's there's a whole archiving thing, and Jonathan Green, bless him, will be one guy with limited resources. Yeah, Mm. but still, the as a as a key to nostalgia, the key to memory, all the images still work.
3: Mm. Um,
1: Oh yeah, I'm not. It's yeah, I'm not judging it. I'm just saying that I think there have been some poor visual decisions
0: fantasy is also responsible for why I think that all Manticores should have beards.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, like I can't, I can't picture a Manticore without a beard because of the fantasy books. Okay. I was, gonna say, it, I, I was
4: imagining there's going to be more and more of an explanation than that. But is
0: just, <laughs> the front cover of Shamanti Hills has, has yes. a Manticore with a beard on. Yep. And it, and it's always like, you know, in the same way that a Sphinx always has a bob haircut. Um, because of the various images that were first introduced yeah, then, to the concept of a, a
4: sphinx. A sphinx would look wrong if it didn't have yellow and blue striped hair.
0: Yes, interesting point. Uh, you've got another book by Jonathan Green.
4: I do, um, because I'm like that kind of person. So this is the Wicked Wizard of Oz, because Jonathan Green likes to dabble into other literary works and take them apart and turn them into interactive fiction and
0: because the copyright is easily available
4: <laughs> I would imagine so so in, in I'm not sure at the time of recording the uh, he's going to be launching a kickstarter for uh, Land, so the next one's going to involve pirates
0: but didn't he do a Horror Alice one as well he's,
4: there is one Alice's Nightmare in Wonderland as well which if I thought to bring it with me I would definitely hand it to Dell and said this is sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah,
1: have a look.
4: <laughs> yeah, there is there is artwork of the characters you can play in the the Wicked Wizard of Oz. The book itself is lovely. It's giant, purple. Big and purple. It's, it's a big purple hardback with so, shiny green. The Wicked Wizard of Oz oh. is a choose your own adventure book based on the Wizard of Oz. And being Jonathan Green, he's gone into the steampunk world of it because the Tin Man is a war droid. Yes. Uh, the Dorothy Gale is Slayer of Witches.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> the Lion d- is
3: King of Beasts. She has Agility
0: yep. 9, Combat 8. I'm sure this was not in the Frank Osborne. <laughs> Endurance 20. Special abilities include Over the Rainbow and The Pen is Mighty
3: Well, the
4: thing. Yeah, the other two characters, I'm not sure. I don't think the Scarecrow is the Grim Reaper. I'm not sure that quite works. He's, and,
3: he's got, a, a he got a scythe. He has got a scythe. So.
4: Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you can also play as the Wizard himself. Who was the, the technomancer. Yeah. So I, I will pass this artwork to Dell as well because I don't know whether... Given this is stuff that's been commissioned more recently, this is what possibly you could get up to. I don't know whether dell has got her own opinion on it.
1: Yeah, no, I think that... Yeah, actually, the Scarecrow looks great.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I think to, I wouldn't have gone with a reimagining of the Grim Reaper because I think you need to play on where these characters originally came from. So for me, like this idea of lion king of beasts, but he, the lion needed courage. Um Potentially, yeah. There's that juxtaposition there. But I think if I was thinking of something for the scarecrow, I'd have thought of something along the lines of needing to find a brain. Um The Tin Man has skin.
0: Oh, that sounds scary, actually. N-
1: no, not like skin stretched over a robot. I think right. he's just a man that likes tech. Oh, I see.
3: So he's a well, not a tin the that's wizard. That's the wizard. The Tin Man's. Over there, he looks like a... I
1: wasn't actually looking at it properly. Oh, dear.
3: The Tin Man looks like an ABC warrior from the... Um, um, yes. from the comic book ABC Warriors. Well, no, no, from the film, Judge Dredd, sadly. but yeah. The original Sylvester Stallone one.
1: Okay, right, I approve of the wizard <laughs> now that he's not the
3: Tin
1: Man. <laughs> and now I've actually, you know, read the things. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I think visually it looks really cool, but they...
4: How does it play? Uh, so this is where I... You know, own up. I haven't actually played it yet, but the idea for some of these characters is that as you play through it, each of them has their own starting point in the book. So you, so they've all got their own stories. The books, the stories will intersect, and you know you'll continue to. I, I don't know exactly how it plays. I'm, I'm presuming. I see. It, what... I assume. I assume at this point the characters are established. Dorothy is you know the slayer of witches, rather. Than, she's just you know this is a retelling of the original book.
0: Uh, I see Matey's point about the Tin Woodsman being a war droid because he does look a little bit like Hammerstein from the ABC Warriors and mm. the team of Roger's and Hammerstein.
1: There's some cute little like crosshatched, um, just line drawings in the books, is what well, in the book, which is really cool. There's not loads of them, just like every now and then, just a little thing. But I, because I think I really like crosshatch. I think it's a really cool. Art skill that I don't have. Um, but I think if you've got a book and it's black and white, simple line drawings are a brilliant way of making something look not simple. Um, There's a really these.
0: odd phenomenon that I've noticed with reimaginings of The Wizard of Oz, where when they have an older version of Dorothy Gale, and I've seen this two or three times now, they make her a lady who likes ladies okay
1: yeah
0: and it's like no I, I'm down I, I'm down with that it's not you know I've, I've no problems with that and it's like the first time I saw that I was like oh no that's cool and the second time I saw that I thought okay no that's cool and the third time I was like is this a trope mm-hmm. did I yeah, have a what,
1: what, what feels like it's lending
0: it yeah, to yeah. that is there is, is there something that I've missed or is it that yeah. just people are like you know over the rainbow and that so, sort of pre-association leads to that as an idea but um yeah i think she's definitely in supernatural definitely in i think um once upon a time once upon a time yeah Um, and i think some of the comic book takes on it as well Mm. um i have to i can't remember if she is in every heart Heart is a doorway i think she might be um there's been a few because there's a few versions of uh, Dorothy Gale, Dorothy Gale, in, in a sanitarium, post adventures, because that's that's obviously a grimdark fun thing to do.
1: Return to Oz is a really interesting film. Like I used mm-hmm. to watch it a lot when I was little, even though it scared me senseless, and yeah. I felt like it would scare me each time I watched it for different reasons. So, like when I was really little, I did not like the Wheelers, and because I was really little, that still kind of carries on a bit. They still freak me out. But then as I got a bit older, I was just like, oh, like it wasn't the fact that the witch wants to cut her head off, it's the fact that the witch had a room just full of heads. Just heads. That's, that was actually really horrible, but when I was really little, I didn't really think about that. I was just like, oh yeah, she changes her head, so she has a room full of heads. It's like a wardrobe, that makes sense. I
0: was fascinated with that movie as a kid for a number of reasons. I, I'd gotten, as a gift, I think, the uh, meeting off, Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, TikTok was on Blue Peter.
1: TikTok <laughs> is a great contraption. I really liked that rethinking.
0: But the the actor, yeah, was the uh, was was on Blue Peter. He, he was one. That, he was a Blue Peter presenter.
1: Oh, uh, I thought you meant they just took TikTok onto Blue Peter one
0: day. <laughs> no, they took TikTok ah. onto Blue Peter, but the actor he was a short-lived guy because he was ill, essentially. oh uh, okay. So so he left early because he was he was unwell. Well, I think he didn't. He had a, had a short life, uh, unfortunately. But the uh, if memory serves, that actor was like that actor was on on the show, and also I found um, Fraser Balk fascinating very strikingly visual,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and those combinations of things like fascinated me with the Frank Owls books for a while, but I also got the feeling with them that they weren't written for me. That's mm-hmm. the chap Michael Sundan
1: well when i watched it because i hadn't seen it for years and years and it was on because i know it's on regularly but it was on a few maybe three four years ago at a time when i could actually watch it and yeah i hadn't watched it since i would say i was what i would turn like a child or like a teenager And watching it as an adult i was terrified for completely different reasons And it wasn't the oz stuff it was the bit set in the real world and the idea that of like they were considering putting a little girl through electroconvulsive
4: therapy. It's is horrible. Yeah, I mean the the parallels between the real world and Oz, yeah. and you think, okay, is is she dreaming? it Because she is she inspired by such and such a thing in the real world. Is that what's created the Oz? World, or is Oz like that? And it's just a lot of parallels. Yeah. So you've got all the the Wheelers are based on gurneys in the hospital. Yes, and you've got room thirty six is actually where the therapy. Contains to that source of the cabinet where mm-hmm. her head is going to be put.
1: It's it's Thanks. absolutely good. like it could, the idea of it is horrible enough, and then the setting of where they were taking her, and like you said, the room where where it's going to happen. And but even like when she's like running away, it's like it's actually. I just want to point horrible. out
0: when I said when I was talking about the author, I meant El Frank Baum. Yeah, Baum. El yeah. Frank yeah. Baum, not Frank Oz. <laughs> you all <Okay>. got the- <laughs> do you know what one of my
1: favourite pieces of trivia from the Wizard of Oz film is they, um, the guy who played like the professor when he's going around mm-hmm. they brought him in a rack of coats that they've got from a thrift store and were like pick your coat and he picked one and he was like oh no like, he wouldn't wear this it's too it's too nice and he was like I want a coat that looks like it was a nice coat that has just been worn so much That it's become tatty, Um, so something that had the idea that it was good but through necessity has become old and he basically was going through and he was like oh it's this one it's got to be this one so they took all the others away and um, that's the coat he wore for filming and then during filming um, one day he just put his hand in his pocket and he clearly never put his hand in his pocket before and he pulled out a dry cleaning receipt and the coat belonged to Frank Baum wow so they phoned because Frank Frank Baum by this point had already passed away when they were making the Wizard of Oz films but they phoned his wife and his wife came to set and was like yeah that's that's my late husband's coat so when they finished filming they gave it to a museum
3: that's amazing yeah that's
1: so that's incredibly just mind terrifying that,
0: that movie's filled with weird coincidences so much it's weird strange. stuff very strange I also, a lot of stuff that's total nonsense. There's an awful lot of urban mm. myths like surrounding it, where people are like, "Oh, this horrible thing happened." It's like, no, like, like if it sounds like it's come out of fairy tale, it probably has. Mm. Oh, look, no, that's nonsense. But we'll, will we'll not dive into that because that's a bit grim. No. Um, but um, yes, uh, there's, there's also you keep we always forget that there were an awful lot of Wizard of Oz books. Yeah. And to me, it always felt like, you know, it felt like just as a kid, it felt too much almost that there were so many. But there's, you know, now it seems ridiculous now that we live in an age of long going, ongoing series that go on forever and ever and ever. But is it me, or did they get darker as they went along, like as he got older? Mm. I don't know them that well, if
1: I'm honest. Mm. They weren't popular when I was. Little.
4: No, I know the movies, I don't know the books as well.
0: Before we uh, head on the yellow brick road, shall we go and talk to a lovely author? Yeah. A lovely author. Let's have a, a bit of a chat. Fondly, welcome to Brave New Words. Thank you. So, tell us about your new book.
2: So, my new book is called Jade City, and it came out uh, just last week, and uh, it is what I call the godfather with magic and kung fu. It's an Asian gangster saga that is set in a um, fantasy metropolis in which there is magic jade that uh, endows the warriors who wear it with the superhuman abilities. And there's political intrigue and family drama and kind of a epic scope of modernity and tradition on this island where only where jade is found in only that one place.
0: How would you pitch the book to an elderly relative?
2: Hmm. I would pitch it as if you if you like, uh, if you like mafia films or Hong Kong crime drama or family sagas about tradition and legacy, um, this might be for you.
0: How does it compare to your other
2: works? No, it's quite different. I have two other young adult science fiction novels, and this was a departure for me because it was much larger and more ambitious, and it was my first foray into uh, adult epic fantasy. But I think the voice that I have across the books is similar. I I think anyone who's reading them will realize that it's me writing both books, but it's definitely but a, a departure in the sense that I'm moving across genre and across age category.
0: Of all the characters in, in this novel, uh, which of the characters would you most like to take out for lunch?
2: Oh boy. Huh. I would really like to take out the antagonist, the villain uh, of my novel because she doesn't get a ton of screen time if you will. Or page time in the book, but I think she's a fascinating character, and hopefully readers are really interested in her based on what they what they read. Um, and so I I think she's she's got these motivations that are honestly quite um, reasonable and noble, and I'd love to hear her talk about them over lunch sometime.
0: Which scenes were the most fun to write?
2: Well, for me, the funnest scenes to write are the fight scenes and the action scenes because I'm a um, a martial artist and I've been training for a long time uh, and I use Jade City largely as a vehicle for wish fulfillment because so many of the martial art scenes in my favorite kung fu films involved characters flying or punching through brick walls or her running up walls and uh, I kind of uh, endowed that sensibility into the book um, and so I got to combine my background as a martial artist and my love of those action sequences so those scenes were a lot of fun to write
0: How does writing about martial arts being a martial artist how does, how does it compare from the, the fantasy to the reality does reality actually get in
2: the way sometimes well I try to keep uh, my fantasy as grounded as possible so um I love fantasy that feels like it could happen um, in the sense that uh, I tend to write things in which um, the fantasy and the the technology, in the case when I'm writing science fiction, feel like they're really embedded in the society. And there's a lot of familiar cues. Um, in the case of Jade City, it takes place in of an analog, even though it's secondary world, it takes place in the less recognizable latter 20th century um, for us. And so there's cars and televisions and um, airplanes and so on. And so the magic just ends up being sort of infused in there. And then when it comes to the martial arts, um, I just sort of layered it in, so I, I, I tried to make it in my mind as organic to the scene as possible. So it didn't feel like, oh, now we're doing the magic part. Um, there are schools that teach these magic disciplines um, and they, they are very much, the culture is very much built around this magic jade. And so I hope that even though there's magic in those fight scenes, that it feels like something that you might imagine um, on happening on a street somewhere. Um, and I, I like I like that sense of sort of those gritty fight scenes, if you will, um, rather than let's say Marvel or DC superhero type fight scenes.
0: Why the move from um, science fiction to fantasy?
2: So I feel uh, very much um, a a desire to write in both fields, and this book started off um, as an idea that I had while I was writing some of my science fiction novels, and I really wrote them concurrently. And um, I think for me, both technology and fantasy are a vehicle through which we can um, create these fantastical worlds that are very much um, reflections of our own in some way. And whether you're using tech or you're using magic to highlight certain elements of that world, it doesn't really matter so much. as what your what the vision that you have and what you're trying to accomplish, and I think you can do that with tech or you can do that with magic, but they really are kind of two sides of the same coin.
0: If you got to write in someone else's world, what would what world would you pick?
2: Oh my goodness, let me think about that. That is that is quite a question. If I got to write in someone else's world. I would love to write in the Blade Runner world. Um, I really love, um, I love Blade Runner because uh, it's it's the type of science fiction that really draws me in the sense that um, it's, it's really um, very visually rich, and there's so many wonderful world-building details, and there's this dark urban cityscape, and it makes really smart social observations and commentary, and it has all these moral conundrums in it. Um, so that that sort of science fiction world and those sorts of, of speculative worlds really draw me.
0: Is the world of genre fiction as, as progressive and as open as it thinks it is?
2: Hmm. In some ways, yes, and in some ways, no. Um, I think that it has certainly become a lot more open and progressive to different voices. I can certainly... Feel the change in terms of um, appetite for an interest in uh, a variety of different stories, a variety of different voices. We are no longer um, in a situation where epic fantasy is synonymous with medieval Europe. Um, there is just this wonderful breadth of fiction and storytelling out there. At the same time. Uh, you know, I think we are. There are still places where we're a little bit stuck and narrow-minded, and there's certainly still, a, a um, you know, certain accepted ways of doing things and norms that that haven't quite shifted over over the several decades. So I think we're very much a culture in transition. Um, no surprise, given given our broader society.
0: What's next for you?
2: I will be busy writing the second book in the Greenbone Saga for quite some time. Um, so that book and the fo- one to follow it will be uh, will be my main projects.
0: If you got to ask, if you got to meet the sixteen year old version of yourself and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be?
2: It would be keep writing. And don't go into corporate finance. It's not going to be as fun as you think it is, and really you are going to end up being a writer like you always wanted to be. Um, And you can do it. You can absolutely do it. Don't don't sell yourself short.
0: If you got to rescue one piece of art, uh, music, writing, song, anything, and have that survive until the sun died out, what would it be?
2: That is hard. I... There's so, <laughs> There's so much um, that, I, that I would uh, that I'd want to save. Um, I really I really don't know. I mean um, I love the film The Godfather and that's one of the reasons why um, I I wrote this series was kind of as an homage if you will uh, to the to, to, um, Mafia films that I really enjoyed, um, so I guess I would I would probably have to save the reel of that of that film. And so at, that's a hard
0: that's a hard choice. Oh, it, it's a fiend of a question. Uh, sorry about that. Um, some silly questions just to finish off, if you don't mind. Um, yes. Spaceships or dragons?
2: Spaceships. Um,
0: Simpsons or Futurama?
2: Simpsons,
0: Macbeth or Othello,
2: Macbeth,
0: Doctor Who or Doctor No, uh,
2: Doctor Who,
0: and finally Truth or Beauty, Truth. Fonda Lee, thank you very much for your time.
2: Thank
1: you, Ed.
0: They were lovely. They were. They
1: were, were lovely.
0: So, um, let's all head across the, the... Well, it's not so much a yellow brick road, because I think it's been... Is it
1: just
0: painted? That's lazy, surely. A lazy brick road? A lazy brick road. <laughs> oh, the lazy brick road. Oh, no, I'm asleep. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, it's not like it's going in... <laughs> it's not getting getting up and moving, because that would be even scary. Yeah, if the road just moved but every that, so often... What,
0: you mean like an
1: escalator? Yeah, I was about to say it well, no, no, like it
4: just you know, moved and said, no, I don't fancy going towards... It. I'm going to redirect you towards...
0: Over there. If you would like to take the the moving world, turn to page 127. (laughs) If you would rather walk, turn to page 200. But, yes. You know, we've gotten through a show about Fighting Fantasy, aren't we talking about Gonchong's or their proboscis?
4: Well, I'm glad we got that out of the way.
0: (laughs) 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 So I'm going to go with several of Gonchong's proboscis. (laughs) <laughs> uh, before it causes me to take over the world, and um, you can always catch us on at Radio Bookworm on Twitter. You can also find us on Facebook, and you can get in touch with me at ed.fortune at starburstmagazine.com. But put brave new words in the subject line so I have an idea what you're talking about. And um, it's goodbye for me. It's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me.
1: Goodbye from me. Goodbye. goodbye.